Join Chelsea, Kurt, and Trent each and every week as we talk indigenous music and amplify indigenous voices. Welcome, Jimmy. So we, hey, yes, thank you. Mr. Jimmy, gosh, awesome to have you on the show. Uh, hear me now. Nice to have you here, my friend. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes, yes. Well, you know, Jimmy, a lot of people know Jimmy around you know, Canada, actually, for being, uh, you know, one of the uh, great blues musicians, guitar players, uh, all-around guy that plays in many different bands and uh, has, I believe, Jimmy and the Sleepers uh, as well. I've seen him last year at the Calgary International Blues Fest. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to be there this year, just kind of opening up with flute and... uh, a few things and uh you know it, it's great to be able to see um you know fellow artists be able to come and share their awesome talent and uh, i've also seen you quite a quite a few times at different events here in edmonton as well so we're really happy to have you here and uh thanks for coming in today thanks for having me yes i appreciate the invite Ed. Right on, Jimmy. Why don't we start off? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that video, like where it was shot, a little bit about the band, you know, the sleepers that you're playing with. I did see that you got some shows coming up on Facebook, and I saw Jared Sowen, our mutual friend, is playing a show with you. So that should be exciting. Yeah, well, that video, uh, that was recorded, um, I think that was back in, uh, uh, like, the fall of 2011 that was at the yardbird suite that was the finals for the the memphis bound blues challenge the winner of which was would go to edmonton and uh or would go to memphis and represent edmonton in the international blues challenge and uh that was the finals and we ended up winning and uh so we were the first band to represent edmonton down in memphis in uh uh like February of 2012 and that was um, that version of Jimmy and the Steepers with uh, Alex Vargas on vocals uh, Grant Stovall on the drums Chris Brzezicki on bass and uh, Crawdad Cantera on the harmonica yeah right on that groove was so it was just nice nice I love the drums and the bass together they sounded really tight. You guys were all great. It was uh, really a really good way to start the show. Um, I've never, like, I've heard about the International Blues Competition. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I come from a country world. I've been playing country music for a long time, but I do have friends that have talked about it, and I don't really understand how the whole thing works. Yeah, well, it's it's um, it's a uh, kind of like a showcase a big showcase like there's bands from all over the world i think when we were down there there was i think 119 bands uh which are all representing their individual blue society back home wherever that be israel or japan or or different parts of the u.s and uh so there was 119 bands and i think about 80 solo duo uh projects Um, so they all just compete you know it's they call it a competition but it's really it's kind of a showcase and it's just a you know it's just a place for you to kind of just go play your own blues to you know to a bigger audience and and, uh so uh it's pretty cool we i've I've been down twice um i was a a couple of years ago with a friend of mine samantha king um 
And it's just you're hanging out on Beale Street, kind of when it's like 40 below back in Edmonton, and and there it's maybe well 10 degrees, you know. Uh, yeah, you're just hanging out with a bunch of other bands on Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee. Gus's fried chicken and some of the best uh, ribs that you'll find anywhere, you know. And yeah, it's a good time. Sounds like a good reason to go to Memphis to me. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It makes it makes you want to bring some of that uh, that special rub that they put on the uh, on the ribs home. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the reason I say that is because I was lucky enough to go down there and uh, perform, um, and so I got to uh, you know check out the restaurants and, and the ribs, and some of those places are like you know uh, you know history, you know a part of the history of the the town so it, it it was amazing to go and you know it's just a different way I, I noticed like the uh the people in the restaurants and stuff you know the hospitality is just you know unlike other any other place you know when you go to memphis for sure it's it's, it's an amazing place for sure yes the southern hospitality it's beautiful the accents they got such thick southern accents you know and and uh yeah it's uh it's a really it's a real cool experience to kind of be around that, you know, the thick accents to, you know, the people and, and uh, yeah, it's a different world and I loved it. It was, it was really cool. I'd love to go back at some point and, and uh, check it out and eat more of those ribs and chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So what, uh, you know, what got, uh, what got you first into the blues? Like what was your influence? Uh, how old were you and, you know, where did you grow up? Um, well, I, I grew up in northern Manitoba. Uh, my hometown is called Snow Lake. Um, and I, I lived there, kind of there and the Paw, kind of back and forth a little bit when my parents split up. Um, and uh, which there wasn't a whole lot of blues uh, up there at that time, you know. And uh, I got into the blues when I, I moved from, from northern Manitoba. I moved to uh, Saskatoon. And uh, lived in Saskatoon for, you know, till I was 21, and um, and it was kind of there. I used to I used to hang around Buds on Broadway, which was the the local blues bar, and uh, that's kind of where I got familiar with it. I got excited, you know, uh, by the music and stuff. Would would hang around there, and then uh, from there I moved to Edmonton when I was 21 in uh, in uh, 1990, and. Uh, and I started hanging around the blues on white here. I also went to different, I was into different kinds of music at that time, you know, and, uh, but mm -hmm. it was while I was here that the blues kind of really started to grow on me. And there was a really actually a healthy blues scene here at that time. There was a lot of really good bands and, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what it was that really sucked me in. Uh, I just, the music is real honest. It's, it's just really, uh, um there's just a certain soul about it i think that uh that just appealed to me and um and um you know so i, I was kind of uh uh learning a little bit of the rock at the time and also learning the blues and at, at some point i just got totally sucked in and it just was you know the blues kind of uh i was um uh, I basically, yeah, I just kind of committed myself to, that's all I wanted to do. And that's all I've really, really been working on since that time, you know? Yeah. So a couple of years, anyways, you're like 28 or 29. Uh, I'll be 
30 um, soon. Something like that. <laughs> um, who was who inspired you to play guitar? Like, wh when did you pick up the guitar, and who was the person that kind of inspired you to play? Like, for both me and Kurt, both our dads were musicians, and we learned from them. So it's like we have a family connection there that way. But what was it for you? Um, well, I, I had an uncle that um, uh, he played a little bit of guitar. He played a little bit of uh, uh, lap steel, but it was on like it was on legs. Uh, a little bit so he used to play and, and sing a little bit plus uh uh his brother my uncle joe you know they they played as well um so maybe there was a bit of that you know um music uh, was was around a little bit on that side um but i didn't really see them a lot but uh but they played and um i'm not really sure what um got me into it you know I, I started playing when i was 17 i was living in saskatoon and i had a friend that uh he lent me a guitar just for actually the first time i ever was kind of interested i, I was i was sitting with my friend uh mike in in uh in saskatoon i was waiting for him to we were going to have lunch or something one day and then uh he was he was a guitar player and uh he, uh, I was noodling on his guitar a little, but I didn't know anything about it. And uh, he, he taught me three things. Um, one was uh, the intro to the old, uh, the old man down the road, I think, uh, or whatever. Basic blues trick down. He taught me that in the full twelve-bar form, and. Uh, and then the first three, uh, four chords to Stairway to Heaven he taught me those four things. And then he went and took a bath. And by the time he got back, I could play them all, kind of. And yeah. uh, he was like, man, you're, you actually seem to be, you know, kind of have, a, have an ability to do this. Maybe you should try it. So I borrowed a guitar from a friend of mine, an acoustic guitar, and started uh, fooling around a little bit. Got a couple of guitar chord books and, and uh, you know, basic instruction stuff. And um, and then fooled around on that for a little while, and then my dad got me a guitar for my 18th birthday, and then uh, and then it was kind of from then that I, you know, um, was um, kind of a fan of the instrument and and um, and started taking it kind of serious, you know. But it was it was in later years that I really looked at it as a career. But um, so that was kind of the bare the bare beginning. Nice. Yeah. Is there any other uh, instruments that you play? Um, I play a little bit of bass, um, and uh, like I, I play with uh, Billy Joe Green. Up, you guys know Billy Joe Green from Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just did a, a little tour with him, actually, a little Alberta tour a few weeks ago. Um, so I play bass um, uh, a little bit, but guitar is kind of yeah. I, that's been my my uh, main instrument, my my passion for the last three years, you know. Yeah. Right on. What shows do you have coming up in the Edmonton area? Uh, well, I'm playing tonight, actually. As a matter of fact, I'm playing at the Newcastle Pub um, with uh, my good friend Pete Turland uh, and uh, with uh, Lynn Wells on bass, Scotty Anderson on drums. And uh, and then on Saturday, I'm playing at a place called the Hidden Valley Stage, which is 
it's kind of uh, it's just it's about ten minutes um, southwest of the River Cree Casino, I guess, um, and that's with the sleepers, and that's uh, with uh, Jared Sowen. Actually, he's going to be awesome. singing uh, with us for the first time in in uh, maybe. 10 years or something like that. He sung with us a little, little bit in the past and uh, I really love his singing. I love uh, Jared's a, a good a good pal of mine, you know, and uh, well, I'm yeah. kind of excited about that. That's going to be our first show with him, with him back. And then uh, we have some other shows um, a little bit in the summer as well. But this is kind of our first uh, show with him back in, uh, in the singing chair. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. nice. So how uh, how did you meet Jared? Well, I don't I don't remember specifically. Actually, it was a dark day and just. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I don't really remember specifically when or where I met him. Just around the scene, like you know. Yeah. When you if you yeah. hear him sing for the you know for the first time, it, it's pretty much you know i was an instant fan just love love what he yeah. does his fire and passion you know like he's he's a real deal uh you know uh singer and and uh, so i don't really specifically remember where i met him it might have been at lb's or something like that maybe you know 50 yeah. years ago or something but uh so i've known him for like i said a good 15 years or so and but i don't really Maybe he might remember. I'm not really sure, but yeah. But you know, we've been friends since since that time, and and played a little bit here and there, you know. And when we get a chance, looking forward to Saturday. Well, we, I think we've all uh, had a, a a Jared story in our times <laughs> with uh, music and traveling and being on the road. Uh, you know, I I played with him a few times and and traveled with him, so. You know, he is quite the jokester to travel with as well and uh, be on the road with. He always yes. keeps everyone laughing and light. So, you know, he's, he's got a million jokes. And, uh, Unless he's hungry. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. If he's hungry, you better feed him, man. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, such a talented guy for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see you. So tell us about uh, – do you play um, – uh, usually with Samantha King, or is that just uh, sometimes? Um, well, that was kind of just a period thing where um, um, that was uh, like we started playing together. She she was um, about I think it was maybe about six seven years ago, whatever. She uh, uh, you know she she's well known for for singing country. She's been doing that. I think she won you know. Uh, rising star award or something when she was a teenager and, and uh and so she was kind of consumed by the the country music world you know for a long time and then but she had this secret passion to sing the blues and then she put something on on facebook i don't know a number of years ago maybe seven years ago saying i want to play the blues who do i hire on guitar and you know there was you know various names that were mentioned but one of them that was mentioned a numerous a number of times was mine and so she got in touch with me and said hey I, I, you know uh, um do you want to play some music together and, and she had a gig at lb's and so we uh did our first gig together and it was a blast like you know i i i'd seen her sing at oilers games and and singing her a little bit around town and and i was a big fan you know and i always hoped that if she was to ever sing the blues 
that I could play with her. And uh, so we got to do that a number of times. And then, um, and then the bass player, Mark Baudin, he, oh, um, he asked if, if, um, if we were interested in doing the blues challenge and uh, maybe possibly going to Memphis. Okay. And, uh, and I said, yeah. And um, so it was myself, Mark, um, Sandro Dominelli and Sam. And uh, we uh, entered the competition here and we won Edmonton and, um, and then got to go down and, and uh, play in, in, uh, in Memphis, in Memphis, part of the yeah, blues challenge. I guess I would have been in 2019 and, uh, and then, uh, so we did Sorry. I said pre-pandemic, sorry. It was pre yes, it was just before, it was the last one before the pandemic hit, yeah. Yes. And uh, so, um, and then um, I haven't really played with her that much in the last couple of years and stuff, you know, with, there's lots yeah. going on with, with, uh, with uh, you know, the, the pandemic and all that stuff and stuff, but but we still keep in touch and, yeah, I love Sam. She's, she's a great talent and she's a good friend. She's a really good friend too, so, yeah. That's awesome. Kurt must have lost his internet connection. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll keep going. That's fine. Okay. Uh, why don't we play the other video? We can check that out. You can, Kurt sent me two videos for, to play for you. So, okay. Um, the other video says, my baby's got a baby. That's what Sam. So, yeah. So let me just get this set up here and then we'll watch it and you can tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Cause I can't have no other baby 
stuff she is a powerful singer holy that was amazing <laughs> that was uh that was actually the other uh memphis bound blues challenge finals that we that i won and uh it was uh that was at the the old timers cabin that was the finals um from 2018 i guess and we ended up winning and uh yeah she is really she was I can just watch in that video because um, Kurt asked me to, to send him something that he could use here. So I was watching stuff and I came across that one. I'd kind of forgotten about it. Yeah. And you can just really feel she's totally dialed in. She's feeling it. And yeah. she just has all this really beautiful energy. And it's really evident there. It was, uh, I, I still kind of get chills a little bit actually just watching that because it was, it felt so good playing the blues with her you know it was really it was really a, a great time and to be down there it really meant a lot for her like i was down there one time before and uh so uh for, for the for your first time it's really really special and uh and she was really dialed in and uh uh i think we finished like 10th overall something like that wow. we did fairly well we didn't make it to the finals but it was very close and uh but um yeah she was she was really in her element and and uh she was really she was tearing it up down there and and uh yeah i love sam she's really great musician and really good friend too you know and she makes a good cup of coffee <laughs> she's a barista so. well that's important you know when you're when you're touring around and going to other places it's always important to be with people that you can hang out with and that it's going to be, you know, like a good experience. You know, that's half the battle I've found anyways, because you don't want to be somewhere with somebody that your heads are budding and, you know, like, it yeah. doesn't make it worthwhile and the music suffers for it, right? But, yes. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, you've been playing music for a long time. So what is like the biggest thing that you've noticed say over the last 20 years that's changed like i've noticed lots of clubs have disappeared and you know the amount of time people are playing has changed what has been your experience in that oh boy a lot actually um like the whole business model has changed for like like how how we can make a living and stuff like yeah. you know um, as far as like i put my first album out in 2005 uh, I put my last one out in 2019 and, uh, you know, the whole recording industry and, and music sales, um, has changed where, you know, it used to be CDs. Like when I first put, yeah. put out my first album, I think at that time, maybe Napster was starting to happen a little bit, you know, but, but yeah. 
if if if, uh, if you had an independent album, you could sell them off the stage, you know, or, or people would order it, you know, buy it off CD Baby or something like that. And uh, so hard copy albums were still um, a thing and, and you could make, you know, decent money if, if you spent, you know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars to make a record you could get that back in whatever a year or two you know and and, yeah. and earn a profit from then on and uh and that has all really changed a lot where it's all digital you know and uh with what's happening um with the digital world and and uh you know how little we make uh our our, our music is being sold at you know at price that's determined by somebody else our music is being valued by somebody else's um you know say and uh, and our cd sales are, are lower so there's that side to it um and i think locally um and maybe i'll get into a little bit of trouble with this but uh you know i find there's a lot of jams you know and uh i feel you with that and it's you know okay so and it's fine like when i when i was starting you know i used to go down to the blues on white saturday afternoon and that was your yeah. time you know that was where you cut your teeth you know you, you waited your turn and then when you got your chance you just played as good as you could you know just to because you didn't get a chance till next saturday and and uh if it wasn't good then you went home and practiced and, and worked on things you know and uh and that was uh you know and then nowadays there's jams all the time and there's a whole jam culture and I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but, but there's less gigs and, uh, you know, there's, there's, I think 30 jams in Edmonton in a week, you know, and, uh, there's, uh, there, there are some good gigs out there still, you know, there's, uh, Newcastle, the blues on white, you know, there's, there's still places to play and stuff that, and, you know, there's new places like Soho that that's popping up and stuff. Yeah. You know, there are places to play and stuff, but to, that's what I found is um, the jam scene has become kind of front and center, and, and uh, there's less gigs and and um, and for me it was um, like I wanted to play gigs, I wanted to play shows, I wanted to be yeah. out, you know, and uh, and then and and get better, you know, and and play be better shows, bigger shows like the Edmonton Blues Festival. You know, I played there a few times. That's kind of what. I want to be doing, you know, and so I had kind of to set my sights higher and uh, and imagine, you know, uh, something bigger than than the jam scene. And and for some people, that's fine, that that's cool. But the more jams there are, the less the less gigs there are. And and I think maybe right. that's not so good. So I think those are probably those are the biggest two biggest things off the top of my head that you know that how things have changed in the last. 20 years or whatever that uh well yeah. what i noticed like my dad made a living as a barroom musician right like so he played from like 1968 until like 1990 well he was playing up until 2014 with me part-time like still weekends and whatever but he played six nights a week from like 1972 to 1984 right right yes so he saw this transition and i saw it as a child of where guys go out and make a living playing other people's songs, but playing with a group of guys, they could go out and they could make a living at that, right? You right. Know, they would raise a family. Obviously, he fed me very well. <laughs> so, I mean, like, he was able to do that. And then when I kind of started playing in the 90s, most of the gigs had moved away from six-night gigs to, like, back threes and, you know, weekend gigs and stuff like that. And then now we're in a culture where 
it's more directed at original music, which is fine for me because I'm recording and writing my own stuff now. But it's like this brain transition for me where I played covers for so long and we would charge a certain amount of money to play a cover gig. But now I'm going to go play originals and I'm only going to play one set. And what do I charge? And like, it's just like, like you said, the whole business model is completely different than what it was when I started for sure. So I think right. as musicians, we have, not only do we have to learn all the music, but we have this huge learning curve when it comes to like business and bookings and shit like that. Yeah, well, the, and I think many musicians are not, and myself included, are are not the best at at the business side. You know, yeah. like there's there's really a whole lot to do. Like you could be, you know, if you're getting into publishing, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's maintaining websites, social media, all that stuff. You know, and then getting gigs on top of that. And if you want to write music and record music and rehearse and you know, and your own personal practice time, things like that. Like it's really there's a whole lot to it. And uh, you know, I tend to, you know. I always play my guitar. That's kind of, you yeah. know, um, and uh, that's, I always try to, you know, keep working at that, practicing that and, and, and try to develop that and stuff. And, uh, you know, um, I think some of the business, I, I think my website is actually maybe a little bit out of date right now because of, um, Apple had, uh, they changed their, uh, the, uh, the iWeb. It's, it's not, um, Hopefully I don't get you in trouble for saying this, but they, I can't update my website because they stopped updating uh -huh. iWeb. And so my website is a little out of date. Anyways, so the business side, uh, many of us are not the best at, at yeah. you know, looking after all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, um, we just want to play, you know, get out and, and uh, make, a, make some racket, you know, and, and uh, but um I think maybe I, I get I'm getting a little better at at the business side, you know, as I get a bit older and stuff. And and uh, I've been doing it so long now that it's not when you're when you're a greenhorn and nobody knows who you are, you know, you have to beat down on doors a little bit. Um, you know, I've been been around now, so but people know a little bit who I am. So you know, it's not a total cold call if I'm you know reaching out to somebody or whatever. So. Um, and um but it has changed a lot it it certainly has like you were talking about back the six the six night gigs like yeah. you know i've heard stories about back in the 70s guys could be playing in a band in edmonton doing covers let's say and yeah. could be working playing eight six night gigs just in edmonton and be working you know like 48 50 weeks a year just in edmonton alone and making yeah enough money that they could you know help support a family you know yeah. and, and uh, maybe not buy a, a bmw or a porsche but you know you could yeah. have you know uh, a, a van and maintain it stuff like that you know and and yeah you're referring to the back threes that's what it was you know when i was kind of starting you know you do a back three thursday friday saturday and then it yeah. became friday saturday and then it's just either it's friday one, or saturday now it's friday or saturday <laughs> you know and um and uh, what you talk about, you know, with a lot of them being more geared towards original music, I think maybe that's that's cool in in some ways, you know, because I think uh, uh, like I love playing Muddy Waters and playing Helen Wolf and, and Elmore James, all that stuff. That's what I yeah. cut my teeth on. That's where I learned to play it, and I love that stuff. It's deep inside my heart, you know. But 
I also like to play my own stuff and, and, and I love writing and, and uh, you know, but, but when you're on a gig playing your own music, that's, there's something really special about that, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, and more satisfying and gratifying, you know, uh, personally that you, you know, that you get to do your own, your own music and yeah, it's kind of special. So. And that you've been able to get, like three or four other guys to invest into your music as well, right? Like when you get guys to come out and play it and they spend the time to learn it. I mean, that's that's a gratifying experience too, you know, because not everybody has the patience to learn other people's music. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you bet. What happened to Kurt? You know what? He's his internet went, he didn't message me. I'm gonna message him right now, just real quick and see what's going on. But uh we started talking, so I forgot about him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just see where the hell he is. Not that I, I, I'm enjoying talking to you for sure. Yes. Yeah, no worries. Um, we usually have a third person too, Chelsea, but she's playing in Quebec tomorrow. So she was on a plane today. She's on oh. some uh, reserve. I can't remember the name of the reserve, but it's somewhere in Quebec. She goes every, I think every year she, she plays their little festival out there and, yeah, oh, so okay. she has fun with those. She gets all kinds of gigs like that from like she's got um like seventy four thousand followers on Facebook from like posting videos and stuff. So oh, okay. like she, she gets taken to different indigenous communities all over Canada. They invite her out. She just comes and sings a few songs. Like she writes her own songs too, but she does covers and she usually takes another person and they do like a 45 minute show, but they pair pretty well. So she okay. liked it. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I saw, I, I watched uh, yesterday's podcast or maybe, it was oh, yeah. but yeah, Kurt had posted uh, the more recent uh, podcast with it. There was a gentleman from Quebec, I think. Yeah, David Hart. He was, yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. I caught, I caught a little bit of that. That was actually yeah. a really good, uh, really good interview as well. It he was, he was really, infectious like just the way he talked and you yeah. know he was really interesting and that's what i like when you you can talk to somebody and they have interesting things to teach you you know what i mean like oh yeah just just like talking to you too like we can learn so much from each other just like sure. by listening right like just Absolutely. that's what lots of people don't do anymore is they don't listen to other people but that's how i learned how to play too like my dad would take me and make me you know sit there and watch people play when i was like 18 or whatever or when we play a, a, a three night gig at the jam, he'd stick me there no matter what, no matter how fucking nervous I was at 18 years old that I wouldn't know their songs. He'd be like, learn them. Here you go. You know, it's in the right. key of A, you know? So I was scared at that point, but if I wouldn't have did that, I probably wouldn't have kept playing. Right. So right. it's, it's important to have mentors. And I like the fact that you, you were able to work with, with Samantha as she was just beginning like her blues journey, right? Like right. we were able to kind of be there as her guide into the blues, like even to the international blues competition that makes like, it makes it so much easier for somebody to go to a new place that with somebody that's already been there. Right. It just right. takes a lot of the stress off. And I, I think that probably made that experience all the much better for her. You know, it, it could have. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, um, I don't know. If I, I shouldn't speak for her, but <laughs> right. Oh no, no. But we have no. I think we helped each other. Like that's that's the thing. Like in that project, like that was kind of thrown together in a way, you know. Like, yeah. a, um, and uh, like with uh, it was Sandro and Mark, and we'd never really played together before that. 
you know, and so it was just kind of a put together kind of project, you know, and, uh, and so we were kind of learning as we went along, you know what I mean? Like we weren't a rehearsed band, but when I've done it with the sleepers, we, you know, it was that band had been together for a while. And, and, uh, but, uh, so we were kind of, I think we leaned on each other a lot, you know, and we just, we just kind of really tried to just feel the music and, and just, uh, you know, uh, um, just help each other out. And, uh, it was really, it was really a lot of fun, you know, um, that was a really great experience. And, and, you know, to play with somebody, you know, um, like her, and, and I've played with a lot of people over the years, uh, but somebody that commands that, you know, their job, like she does, like she's, she's a master. She's, you know, and it just, cause then I can just play guitar and, and just, you know, just try to play around what she's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's a real joy to play with, you know, somebody at that level, you know, um, Jared's the same way. He's got that same kind of vibe, you know, he's, yeah. he's, uh, I'm really looking forward to doing some stuff with him and, and uh, where he gets kind of comfortable in the music and our music again, you know, and then I could just let him do his thing and just play around what he's doing and stuff, you know, and yeah. I'm very lucky and with the people that I've gotten to play with over the years, you know, those are just a couple of them. And, and uh, I've been quite blessed, I must say, you know, I think music brings so many blessings to everybody that's involved with it. Right. Like we meet so many people that change the way we look at the world, you know, like you can meet somebody and just like be so interested in their their the way they're expressing themselves musically that you get to know them and then you you get to know somebody from a total different culture or whatever you know what i mean like it's just right. a way to open up your your whole world to new things and new experiences yes yeah and jared he's he's hilarious on stage we did a we did a trio together like a country trio i played bass he played piano and we had jason berg on drums and we were playing the transit one weekend a month for about okay. the whole year before it closed. So when we we're okay. when we we're doing our last gig there, it's supposed to be right before they closed. Of course they reopened now, but this was the last gig. Me and Jared sat there and he started naming off bars that he had played at where he had played the very last gig before it closed, oh. right? He was like <laughs> I was like, this is kind of a depressing conversation, but inter- interesting just the same, you know? Like <laughs> well, and- showed a little bit of like his experience and, and how long he's been doing this. Like, you know, Jared, like he's, you know, I think he, he's in his mid forties now or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's had some little bit of health issues the last couple of years, but, uh, but he's been doing this a long, long time. Like he's been, you know, like playing up at the, the oil can and, and, you know, the, in Fort McMurray since forever, you know, and, yeah. uh, yeah, he's, uh, but it's interesting you bring that up. Like, yeah, he's talked about all these places that he's, you know, closed and stuff. Because, yeah, yeah he, he's he's a wily old veteran. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. we, learned, we learned so much from those guys. <laughs> Absolutely. You bet. Well, yeah. we can, yeah, we can learn a lot from anybody. You know what I mean? It's There's always something to learn from somebody. And yeah, yeah, you bet. So if you had to, we'll... we'll We'll just like wrap things up here pretty quick because I don't know if Kurt's coming back. But I, I just want you, um, what would you tell a young guitar player starting out? Like, what is the most important thing that got you to start moving levels in your playing? Like, 
was it a certain practice technique did you spend a certain amount of time or was it just like you just did it <laughs> you know well you know looking at my whole you know and i reflect a lot on you know what could i have done better you know all along you know the way and, and uh you know i i think number one is 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 to practice and 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 love it like you know we get into music because we love it like you know um like yeah sure maybe you want to meet girls and stuff when you're you know 19 years old and nervous and stuff you know um you want a way to, to kind of you know meet people but uh you know really it's about the love of music and, and uh you know so i i would say you know work hard practice you know maybe get lessons you know from from someone you know and uh and if there's somebody you know uh older that that you can learn learn from you know to try to get you know some knowledge from them some you know uh tips and, and stuff um but um but just you know work at it you know so i think the more you practice you know with learning styles you know learning music some music theory learn as much as you can you know because uh knowledge is power you know and um and the more knowledge and power you have, the more it empowers you, you know, yeah. to believe in yourself. I think, you know, because I, I think that's that's a part of it is is to trust, you know, yourself and, and to believe in, in in what you're doing, you know, is um as not not that it's you know that you're you're um um that you're going to rule the world or anything like that, but that you're going to contribute, that you have something to offer. You know, I think that's, uh, um, that's, that's what I would say, you know, I, I've been working at, you know, this for a long time and, and trying to find out better ways to practice, you know, and, uh, the, the thing that I've been kind of working on since COVID where I had time to reflect and basically there's no gigs. So it's, it's, you know, it's like, um, and that's, you know, um, and, and I saw this from a, a Herb Ellis instructional video, and he talks about the main thing, the biggest thing that he could pass along to somebody is, uh, he's a jazz guitar player, is, uh, he said, is learn to sing what you play and play what you sing. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and when you're practicing, you know, if you're playing some lick, but to sing it as you're playing it, you know, and what yeah. that does is it, it can open the channel between what's in your mind or your heart and your fingers, because sometimes it's hard to really, you know, um, play what's in your head, you know, and this can kind of open that channel. I've been working on that for, you know, uh, the last couple of years, I work on it a little bit every day, you know, and it's really, it's such a, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's like, uh, teaching an old dog, new tricks, you know, it's really, uh, yeah it's it's a um it's it's a kind of it's a pretty daunting task and stuff but uh, so that's kind of you know what i've been kind of more focused on so that uh, maybe as i enter you know more of the twilight years i can play more what's really in my heart in real time you know yeah. what i mean that's kind of the goal for me is to be able to just really be spontaneous and creative on stage while i'm doing it you know rather than just playing like I love all those old T-bone licks and, and Muddy Waters and Earl Hooker and all that stuff. I love playing that stuff yeah. uh, as much as ever, but I really, you know, I want to try to 
see what I learned from all that and how it influenced me to be my own original, you know, to what my voice is saying, you know, and all my experiences being indigenous, all the things that I've learned, you know, to be who I am uh, in real time on stage. That's kind of where I'm at, you know, and and that's kind of the one thing that I'm working on is, is play what you sing, sing what you play. And so that it it uh, helps open that channel to um, to what's in 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 my heart and and mind musically, so that I can perform it. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice because I think that's what we all kind of spend <laughs> the majority of our musical journey doing is trying to find our own voices, right? Yes, trying to find our own authentic way to to communicate what's inside of and yes. what we're trying to say. Right. So Absolutely. that's, that's a great, that's great advice for younger people. Cause that's, you know, that's kind of like something my dad taught me when I was first singing is like, quit trying to sing like whoever else figure out who you are and sing like that. Absolutely. You know, that's probably the best advice he ever gave me. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, yeah. this has been awesome. Like, I'm sorry, Kurt ducked out. I don't know what happened with this internet. Oh, that's fine. It was good to talk to you. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. And I'll be uh, looking forward to trying to catch one of the sleeper shows here this summer. I'll keep an eye out for you. I'm, I'll be busy playing a few places too. So hopefully our schedules can line up and I can come check it out. So yes, but it was uh, a pleasure, you know, having a conversation with you today for sure. Yes. And it was a uh, pleasure was mine. And, uh, and uh, sorry to Kurt that he kind of got cut off, but, uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to do this. It's a real, uh, real honor. And uh, thanks for thinking of me. You're listening to Do You Hear Me Now? Amplifying Indigenous Voices, where each and every week we bring you stories about Indigenous music and Indigenous artists all across Turtle Island.